Hey all, this is Cassie, the host of Everybody. And ever since I can remember, I've been obsessed with how the human body works and how no matter what stage in life you're at, you can make amazing changes. Together, we're going to deep dive into topics like disease, nutrition, mental health, and more, all with a focus on how we can take steps toward living healthier, happier lives. What's up, everybody? Thanks for coming back. Uh, Today, we are just doing something a little fun. So we're in the middle of our women's health series. And today I wanted to just read some birth stories to you. So if you've never had a baby and or maybe you have, but you haven't really heard the term birth story before, it's literally just that. It's like the story that you tell Um, a friend or a family member or whatever when you're telling them about what happened when you had your baby. So what I did was I reached out to listeners. If you remember the last couple episodes, I've been asking for you to send me your birth stories and I've gotten quite a few. Now, most of them I haven't read yet. So I thought it would be kind of fun just to like read them out loud for the first time recorded just to see like I don't know what my response would be or whatever. So I haven't really pre-read any of these. I've gotten a couple that are really short and sweet, and we're going to start with those, and then we'll go to the couple that are a little bit longer. So I'm not really sure if this podcast will take a little bit longer than it normally does, but you're certainly welcome to kind of fast forward through, bounce around, listen to it in chunks, whatever works for you. So before we start, though, I just want to continue to say thank you for continuing to listen and share this episode or this podcast with people that you know will love it as much as you have been. I really have been appreciating your feedback, your support, um, and just knowing that there are people out there that I am making a difference for. So thank you again for that. So this first story is from Cynthia. Cynthia now has adult children, um, but she shared her birth story with us, um, or her birth stories. She's gone through all the kiddos that she had. So let's get right into it. So here's her story. When I was 17, I had my daughter, and while she was four weeks early, she was five pounds at birth and healthy. C-section, I was all alone. My oldest son couldn't decide when to come. I had a doctor appointment on my lunch hour to find out exactly when he would be delivered. It was discovered I was actually in labor. I was almost 18 and had him within the hour, C-section, and again, I was all alone. I remember seeing him for the first time and feeling zero connection to him. I broke down in tears, realizing I needed to get my act together. I had two kids who needed me to grow up and get it together. I had two kids by two different men, and I was completely alone, trying to raise them alone. It was so difficult. I had family, but I couldn't count on them for help. My mom was an alcoholic, and she was abusive. I didn't want my kids around that. I worked hard, two jobs, sometimes three, to keep us together and keep them fed. Definitely not proud of those times or the person I was back then. I've worked hard to be a better person. I finally met Mr. Wright, and we have one child together. I'm definitely a better mom to this child than I was to the first two. Live and learn. Cynthia short and sweet, but oh oh my gosh, I I didn't read this before I started uh, recording today. And you really hit my heartstrings. I too was a teenage mom in a bad situation. And I know the first time um, that I became a mom, I definitely wasn't as good at it (laughs) as maybe I am now. Um, But you're right, live and learn. We do the best that we can with what we have at the time. And 
that's what we do. So I'm proud of you for sending this in and being brave enough to share this story with us. And don't be too hard on, on yourself because I'm sure your kids look back now and know that you've loved them all the way through. All right, this next short and sweet one is from Courtney. Um, she said, my daughter, my first, was a total of five and a half hours. Water broke early morning, got to the hospital, and I was already seven centimeters. Hubby was three and a half hours away. He made it 45 minutes before she was born, and he almost passed out during pushing. There was lots of panic, some curse words, and lots of pain in between. Courtney, that is a great short and sweet story. I'm sure most of us have heard and said many curse words, panic, pain, all of the above. Um, and I have definitely heard of husbands who do pass out while their wives are giving labor. So I'm sure yours is not alone. This next story is from Tara, who just had her third baby April 11th of 2021 this year. So here's her story. It started out as a normal day. In the morning, I did yoga, followed by a big Sunday morning breakfast. Soda cushion for my boys. Then we went outside for some lunch, and I did a bit of raking. That's when the contractions started. They started off as painless, far apart, Braxton Hicks-type contractions. I decided it was time to rest and thought it was a really good time to finally take a bath that I've been wanting to take for weeks. The boys were outside with my hubby, so it was perfect timing. Took a lavender bath, but it didn't stop the contractions from coming, and they were getting a bit more frequent. As I was in the bath, my son Jackson learned how to ride his bike for the first time, too. My kids came inside, and I started to get dinner ready, but as I was, the contractions were getting much more frequent. I stopped what I was doing and went to lay in bed and rest. Still, they kept coming. I went to continue on with dinner and decided it was time to start timing my contractions. They were still painless, just lots of pressure and two to four minutes apart. It was time to call the hospital. They said to come in right away to be monitored because I had a scheduled C-section, and that was the only way to tell if I was actually in labor. Arrived at the hospital at 7 p.m. thinking, okay, I'll get monitored and they'll go away and I'll go back home. I thought this because my second son, Asher, took me to the hospital three times with false labor. They monitored me for two hours and the contractions were the same. She checked to see if I was dilated and I was one centimeter. Two hours went by, she checked me again and I was even more dilated. She said I needed to stay for another two hours because there was a change. Within those two hours, out of nowhere, my contractions started getting painful, more and more each time, and were coming two minutes apart. My OB checked again. I was definitely in labor and said I was having an emergency C-section tonight. I was 35 weeks and five days. During almost all that time I was in labor, my hubby wasn't allowed to be with me. Thank you, COVID. He was allowed in at the end when they knew I would be having a C-section. C-section went great. We were team green, so when my husband told me it was a girl, I was so happy. Boys are nice too, but I already have two, so. Madden Audrey was born at 1.32 a.m. on April 12, 2021, weighing 5 pounds, 10 ounces. She came out fast and crying. She was breathing good on her own, but just had to be monitored for low blood sugar. After a few feedings, her blood sugar level picked up rapidly. So far, she is one feisty, healthy baby that just wanted to make her own dramatic entrance into the world. With being born during a pandemic, it's only my husband, one support person, that is allowed with me. He couldn't be changed for another person and there were no visitors. Having a baby in a pandemic was not a thing we planned for, but it just happened that way. I'm very much the person who loves visitors in the hospital and would have loved to have my boys come see their baby sister after she was born. Instead, we video called them, but it's just not the same. Madden and I have been cleared by the doctors to go home today. Tuesday, April 13th, just the day after she was born. Still can't believe my baby girl is here already. 
Congratulations. That is an awesome story. She was ready to come, whether you were ready or not, right, Mama? Congratulations. Snuggle that baby. This next story is from Cassidy, who is welcoming her baby Charlotte into this world, also a pandemic baby. Here's her story. The night before my 38-week appointment, I felt something was wrong. I hadn't felt her move very much that day, but I had an anterior placenta making it a little harder to feel her every move, a history of overreacting, and she was a lazy baby. I decided to wait it out until my appointment the next afternoon. When I got ready to go to my appointment, I told my husband to keep his phone on because I had a really strong feeling something wasn't right. I told the midwife that I hadn't felt her move much in about 24 hours at this point. She recommended an NST, which I'd done before with this lazy baby, which for those of you that don't know, it's called a non-stress test, to monitor the baby's heart rate and movement. Hooked up for 45 minutes and baby's heartbeat was good, but she was not moving. Our midwife consulted the doctor on call and it was decided I should be induced right away. I called my husband, told him it was time to grab the go bags and head over to the hospital. I got to labor and delivery, checked in, and he was there when I got to the room. I was only dilated one and a half centimeters and the baby had not dropped. It was recommended we use the catheter method to get me further dilated before we start Pitocin. The midwife inserted two balloon catheters, one just on the side of my cervix and one just on the outside, so they pushed together on my cervix. It was very painful. After two hours, when they checked on me, I was shaking and had been sick. The pain was so intense. They decided it was time to take the catheters out. The midwife removed them, and I was dilated to five. She told me the anesthesiologist would be in to do my epidural shortly, and then she would come break my water. I was anxious about the epidural, but the process wasn't bad at all. There's something tingling in your toes when they move the needles to find the place, but overall, not a scary experience. After the epidural was in place, they broke my water, and it was very bloody. The midwife told us that, based on the amount of blood, the baby likely wasn't moving much because of a problem with the placenta, so it was good timing that we came in. After my water was broken, they placed internal monitors to get a better monitor on the baby's heartbeat and strength of my contractions. We started the Pitocin and waited and waited and waited. Our nurses are absolutely incredible. They came in to reposition me often because of the epidural and worked hard to put me into different positions to try to get me dilated further. My contractions were strong, but a little slow, so they turned up the Pitocin. Then my contractions started coming very fast, so they had to turn it back down. We did this several times. Charlotte's heart rate was great. Nothing seemed to phase her at all, but she was also not trying to leave. I was very sick a lot of the labor. I kept throwing up. They tried to give me several IV medications, but nothing helped. While I wasn't in very much pain, I was very tired and sweaty, so I slept a lot. I couldn't eat anything, but they did bring me popsicles. Something no one ever told me about was the shaking. It was intense. I was shaking violently, like I was freezing and couldn't get warm. The nurses assured me it was normal and said all they could do was pile blankets on, and they did. After 28 hours of labor, I was still only dilated to five. Our midwife brought the doctor in to discuss a C-section, and I agreed it was time. After your water is broken... More than 24 hours, you and baby become at greater risk for infections, and I hadn't progressed at all. The nurses explained the procedure to me so well. They explained exactly what to expect in terms of feeling and timeline. They got me ready very quickly and wheeled me down. I couldn't sit up, and I threw up in the hallway on the way down. When I got to the operating room, the nurses said they wouldn't let me be covered in puke and changed my gown and put up my hair before they moved me to the table. I was very grateful. This is when I started to panic a little. I told the anesthesiologist who was standing by my head that I could not do this and they had to put me to sleep. He assured me I would be okay 
and being awake was best for baby and me. Eventually, I agreed. I couldn't stop shaking. They brought Elijah in, and he sat by my head. They didn't announce when they started, which I really appreciated. I just realized suddenly that I felt some pressure, and they were working. After a few minutes, I felt a very intense pressure, not pain, really. And then she was here. They showed her to us and handed her to the nurse to be checked and quickly swaddled. I was shaking too bad to hold her, so Elijah held her and put her face against mine and her against my chest. They moved us to a small recovery room, and I got to hold my baby girl for the very first time and have skin to skin and nurse her. The nurse in that room was also incredible. After some time, an hour I think, they moved us to our room in recovery. The nurses were also incredible there. Overall, while not what I had planned or expected, Charlotte arrived healthy and our care was amazing and we feel very blessed. I'm like tearing up right now. This is such a wonderful story um, and a really good example of how things just almost never go as planned. And Cassidy, I know exactly what you're talking about, about that like intense, violent shaking that definitely happened to me as well, um, pretty close to before I gave birth. So that you're right. That is something that I don't think anyone really tells you about that happens. But congratulations. This is an absolutely beautiful story. And I'm so happy that you're healthy and that baby Charlotte is healthy and home with you. All right. This next story is from Wendy. Um, Wendy writes, I've started and erased this first line at least five times. I can't figure out how to start my birth story because it's more than just a birth story. It's a life-changing experience. I'm still changing because of it. My first baby was like a walk in the park, typical pregnancy with no worries. And even though I didn't follow my birth plan, he was happy and I was happy and life carried on. We went from a couple to a family of three and had it all figured out, or so I thought. My second birth story is an experience that changed my being forever, and to be honest, I'm still trying to get used to it. Baby B, as we call him because his name is Bryden, came into my life when I wasn't expecting. He was a surprise. The Karens will judge me for even admitting that, but just because he wasn't planned doesn't mean I don't love him, and happy accidents happen. But, as you will see, Baby B's birth story is more of a story about me, the mom. I was thriving in my career and had a wonderful team around me. I never wanted a second child, and that's a hard thing for some to admit, but I think it happens more than we know. I was busy. I was loving every second of my free time with my family and working hard to further my career. I started feeling queasy. Maybe I needed to cut down on the junk food, I thought. But nope, I missed my period, and I knew. I took a test, and it was positive. I wanted to wait to make an announcement because I couldn't figure out how I felt about it, but I was so sick that I couldn't hide it. We shared the news at only eight weeks. My parents and in-laws were ecstatic, and I was scared. I was 38 and had not one spare minute in my life. How could I fit another child into the mix? For months, I was nauseous every day. I couldn't shake it. It was so different than my first pregnancy. At seven months, I decided to make a career move, a promotion. It was what I had wanted before getting pregnant, and I didn't want to lose out just because I was having a baby. So I applied and got the job but along with it came a lot of stress that baby B was not in the mood for. I developed preeclampsia, but it went undiagnosed until 38 weeks. I was gaining weight fast. The baby was getting big. I was dizzy and exhausted, but the doctors just kept telling me I was eating too much and to choose better foods. I was in tears at, the doc at every doctor's appointment because I knew something was wrong, but they just said I was too fat. Eventually, at 36 weeks, my doctors decided I needed to go to a better equipped hospital to have the baby, and I was transferred. I had met an entire new team of doctors with less than a month before my due date. 
At my 38-week appointment, my doctor was reviewing my chart, and she thought I had preeclampsia and sent me straight to the hospital. My blood pressure was high, and the baby was under stress. I was going to have a C-section in a couple hours. I didn't have my bag with me and didn't even have the car seat installed yet, but baby B was coming. I remember being scared to have such a major surgery. It was my first one. I had no idea what to expect. The surgery went wonderfully. There were no complications. I remember being able to hold my baby right after he was born and enjoy soaking in his fat, chubby, 10-pound squish. I didn't get to experience that type of interaction with my firstborn because I was so exhausted from labor, but that's the last happy feeling I had for a long time. I had postpartum depression instantly, and probably even before the birth. I just didn't know it then. My recovery was hard. I was in a lot of pain from the surgery, and today's environment is very anti-pain medication. I had my entire abdomen cut open, but I thought I could tough it out. I didn't want to hurt the baby, and my nurses didn't help support me in making the decisions I needed for my own health. Maybe they were too busy, or maybe I just didn't ask the right questions. I begged the doctor to let me go home after night two. He wanted to keep me a couple extra days due to my high blood pressure, but I needed to be in my own home and in my bed. He let me go. I went home and sat on the couch with my 10-pound baby attached to my boob for four months. He was a big baby and only wanted to nurse all the time. I was tired and irritable and not myself. I knew I had to go back to work, and after agonizing over whether or not to stop breastfeeding, my husband finally said to me, you don't have to keep nursing. It's okay to feed him formula. Sorry, I'm like tearing up again. Um, I broke. I needed someone to tell me it was okay because as a mom, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. But deep down, I knew there was no way I was going back to work and pumping for another eight months. I had done it with my first baby and I was fine, but this baby was different. No, I was different. A lot of time, a lot of times women hide their postpartum depression and I did too at first, but I finally talked to my doctor and she pre prescribed a low dose of antidepressant. And then there was COVID. Everyone was on lockdown except for my business. I was working 65 hours a week, not sleeping, dealing with a wild customer base who were panicked. I started seeing an online psychologist because I couldn't go to the doctor's office. She upped my meds to a higher dose because my symptoms weren't getting better. We did this several times. I wasn't myself yet. My baby was going on a year old and I was still a disaster. One day I decided I'm not taking the meds anymore. I don't recommend this but it's what I did. I started to feel a lot better. That was about six months ago, and I'm doing okay now. I'm not 100%, but let's be honest, I'm not sure what that is anymore. The birth was intense for me. It changed my life more than my first baby ever did. I was impacted mentally in ways I had no idea could happen. I hope this highlight reel is enough to make other moms who are out there not feeling like themselves know that you are not the only one. Talk about it. It helps. It sounds cliche, but it's true. Wendy, you are amazing and strong and a wonderful mother. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. You are absolutely right. Postpartum depression is something that is very real, very tough. And no matter how much we try to normalize it, I think as a mom, it's so hard to admit and not be ashamed. But I'm really, really proud of you for sending this story in. And I know that it's definitely going to help some other moms out there that may be feeling this way or maybe have felt this way in the past. And I'm really glad that you are on your way to feeling somewhat normal again. And you've got a happy, healthy one-year-old <laughs> that I'm sure fills your life with lots of joy. 
This next story is from Kayla. Kayla says, Hey Cassie, I may have made this way too long. Our story isn't super crazy or anything, but I find some of it comical and I like sharing because I think women need to hear more pro-epidural and mostly positive stories since we so often only hear the rare horror stories with epidurals and more negative experiences. At my 36-week appointment, we found out that our girl had not grown at all since 34-week appointment. So the next three days were a, a whirlwind of finding out I had to be induced early and our girl would come home three weeks sooner than expected. We had moved into our first home only one month prior and it was a fixer-upper we were flipping. We had spent the prior month getting it livable and gutting the entire kitchen. Me, the planner, somehow had been so laid back about the whole thing. Perhaps it was the excitement of having our first home and doing anything we wanted to it, or perhaps it was finally getting to be a mom after waiting for so long. But on the day we found out we would be induced three days later, the nursery had literally nothing in the room. The crib wasn't even put together. Whoops. What an interesting experience to skip that end portion of pregnancy where you're wondering when your baby will come. We had a date, July 18th. Of course, you never know how long inductions will take. But it is a strange feeling, calmly walking into the hospital, walking up to the counter and saying, Hi, I have an appointment to have my baby at 7 a.m. <laughs> we felt a bit, a bit anxious. No shocker there. First time parents. We did have quite a bit of worry about our girl's health. The doctor assured us she's likely very healthy in there, just tiny. We heard that a lot for the first year. Just tiny. Tiny sounded scary. Babies are already small and delicate, so ours was going to be even more small and even more delicate. We were shown to our birthing room, which consisted of a hospital bed, a large reclining chair, a TV, and a small attached bathroom. Seemed fine. A very young blonde man walked in. He was younger than me, maybe? and explained that he would start the induction. He mentioned being in training and asked if we felt okay with that. Sure, why not? We don't know what we're doing anyway. The process started with dinoprostrome pills that they put up next to your cervix to make it thin out to hopefully go into labor naturally. The kid really struggled with this. All I can remember is he kept saying sorry for the discomfort every 30 seconds while he was trying to place it. Not just the first time, but every time he had to put more of those pills in throughout the day. Dude, there's going to be a lot of discomfort during this process. A human being is coming out of another human being. Please stop saying sorry. The poor kid was so nervous. My husband and I mostly played cards for the next seven hours with occasional dilation check. I wasn't feeling anything. At some point, I was given Pitocin to induce labor. Then I thought my water broke. I told the nurse, but she didn't believe me and straight up told me my water didn't break. At this point, I started having contractions. They seemed pretty mild for a couple of hours. The doctor came in to do the balloon procedure to move things along. This was extremely uncomfortable, and to everyone's surprise but mine, they realized they could not use the balloon procedure because my water had broken and I was already officially in labor. The next few hours were mostly me having constant contractions that were increasingly unbearable. I kept thinking back to all the videos and stories, and everyone would talk about the breaks and contractions. I guess that's not really a thing when you're induced. It was nonstop pain. It had been five hours of pain with absolutely zero change in dilation. And when I finally decided to get an epidural, y'all get an epidural. <laughs> it was midnight at this point. The anesthesiologist came in and started setting me up for the epidural. I don't remember the whole process, but I remember him trying to wait to do it between contractions, but him not being able to because they were so constant. I also remember asking him if he did it yet, and he said, yeah, it's in, you're good. I don't even think I ever felt the needle. After a little bit, they checked in, and I said I could go, checked in, and I said I could still feel pain on one side, but not the other. 
they gave me more epidural, whatever, and then I felt zero pain. I'm not kidding. There was zero pain. Then I fell asleep. They rushed in a couple of times and the fetal monitor showed bad readings because of how I was laying. No big deal. Baby girl just wanted me to lay on my right side. I fell back asleep. Just before 4 a.m., less than 24 hours after this process started, the nurses came to check in dilation. P.S. The night nurse was amazing. The next thing I hear is, girl, your baby's coming. She called for the residents to come. There were always two or three because they were students learning, who quickly called our OB. Our OB must have asked if she was sure she needed to come right away because the resident said, no, you need to come now. Our OB said to do a couple practice pushes and she'd be there in 20 minutes. The fantastic staff of a seasoned nurse, a confident resident, and two excited new residents led me through a practice push, which is in quotes. After which, the resident immediately called back to my OB and said, you get her, better get here faster because the baby isn't waiting. They tried to stall, but two more pushes and our girl was here. Our OB walked into the room seconds after our girl arrived. Yes, it was only three pushes, maybe 15 minutes total, and I felt absolutely zero pain. That being said, remember our girl was tiny and our doctor was right. She was perfectly healthy. Our daughter was born on July 19th, weighing 4 pounds, 14 ounces. I remember feeling so worried during my pregnancy that I wouldn't get that immediate attachment that moms talk about when your baby is born. But boy, that feeling is indescribable, and it just keeps growing. That is an amazing, and I agree, comical story, Kayla. Um, And yes, you are right. Some people are ashamed to want to get an epidural or to even say that they're considering it or even maybe admit that they had one. But ladies, you do what you have to do to have a healthy baby. And that is all that you should be concerned about. Congrats, Kayla. Your daughter is beautiful. So guys, that is it for our listener stories for today. Um, A good variety there. A couple C-sections, a couple natural births, moms dealing with postpartum depression, other moms who have that attachment right away and are ecstatic and happy. Again, birth is just amazing and it is different every time for everyone. I don't think I've ever met a woman that just said, oh yeah, both of my two kids were born exactly the same and, you know, whatever. Um, You know, I have actually a couple incredible birth stories of my own with my own two children, but I'll save those for another day if any of you want to hear them. Maybe I can just record it as a bonus episode or something like that. But um, we are going to get into talking about laboring and birth a little more in the next episode or two. I am going to be having um, a guest on who actually is a physical therapist um, who works with pregnant women, but she also has ventured into her own um, realm of working with women to help them have something called a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after cesarean section. So what that means is you have a C-section maybe for your first child, your second child, whatever it may be, and then the next baby you have, you want to try to have a vaginal birth again. Now, years ago, this was considered something you absolutely could not do. Once you had one C-section, every other child you had after that would also have to be a C-section. But now we're learning that that's not true and that our female bodies are amazing, who knew, and that it is very possible for many women to have a vaginal birth after having a cesarean section. So next week, we are going to talk all about it. 
and I absolutely cannot wait. Myself, I have only had two vaginal births. I've never had a C-section. Um, I know many, many women who have, um, many women who aren't bothered by it, other women who feel a little defeated by it. And I just want to tell you guys out there that, again, our best job as a mom, right, is to make sure that our babies are born healthy. And whether that means you use an epidural or not, or other drugs or not, or you have 20 people in the room with you, or just one or none, and you do it all on your own, whether you have a C-section, whether you've had a vaginal birth, a lot of this stuff is sometimes out of our control, but just know that you are strong, amazing mamas out there. And I'm really thankful that you guys decided to share these stories with me. And I cannot wait for you to hear them read back on this podcast. Um, Thank you so much for listening again. Please give this um, episode a review, a rating, you know, subscribe, share it with people, whatever you need to do. I really appreciate all this continued support from you guys. And I cannot wait to talk with you next week. Oh my gosh, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I truly hope you've learned something today about your body. And I know you're thinking of someone right now that would love to listen to this too. So go ahead and send it to them. Until next time, make sure to drink plenty of water, move your body and smile often.